there's a lot of things I could say, but it sounds like, you know, excuses. And we're not going there. Play better. And um, it's, it goes for all of us. And our guys know that. They're a very accountable group. They were last year through through thick and thin, and they will be again this year. We're a good team. I mean, we're a good team. There's plenty of good teams in the league. There's still so much baseball left. Uh, this is going to be a great fight all the way to the finish. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's things everybody can say I wish we did better at. Uh, there's other things where we, where we have done well. Uh, just continue to, you know, get in the season, get in the groove, and, and find our rhythm and continue to play well and win series. And, you know, this group can win. We, we know it. And I think we're all getting our footing and we're getting it going. of the Talking Mets podcast here on this Monday, May the 15th, 2023, of course. I'm your host, Mike Silver. You can check me out all the time at the thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media, and you can turn on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silver at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silver at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. You can get me on Instagram, talkingmetsnog. And I want to welcome in the good folks from the fan-sided podcasting network as well as risingapple.com. Well, welcome to another edition of the Talking Mets podcast, a Monday edition, another wraparound series. I got to tell you, getting used to this, what do you call it, balanced schedule where every team plays everybody. They've got all these four-game weekend series. It's throwing off the feng shui, I guess, of the show. And I was going to come to you after the doubleheader yesterday, and it kind of threw things off, not only with the wraparound, with the doubleheader, so I figured I'd come to you today, so a lot to talk about. Another State of the Union. We're having way too many of these State of the Unions. What a what a weird first 42 games. You have, you know, five-inning rainouts, you know, horrible weather, the show got rained out one, uh, one Sunday already, wraparound series, WBC, this general, and we'll talk about it, Malays, so coming to you today... Giving you a state of the union after this 13-game stretch against teams that many of us felt would give the Mets an opportunity to start heading in the right direction during what we call the getting-to-know-you phase and start to head the team off uh, on the right foot after an uneven start. After a good first 21 games, a bad last 21 games, team is 20 and what, 20 and 22? I'm not even looking at the standings at this point. Let's put it to you that way. I haven't even looked to say it. 20 and 22, this team is currently right now. So a lot to talk about coming to you with the latest edition of the show. Uh, But first, I wanted to talk to all Mets fans in New Jersey. Before we get to anything here, Mets fans in New Jersey, we have an awesome sports betting promo for new Bet365 users. All you have to do is deposit $10 and place a $1 wager on any sport. doesn't just have to be the Mets. It could be anything, NBA Finals, golf, whatever. Any sport, you'll instantly receive $200 added to your account in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. That's a great deal. All you have to do is use the code TALKINGMETS, no G. You know, the, you know the name of the show when you sign up. By using our code TALKINGMETS, you not only receive the $200 in bonuses, but you will also be directly supporting the podcast. What a great way to support something that you love. So, 
If you haven't signed up for Bet365, join with the code TalkinMets, no G, and place the first bet. I'm saying no G. Don't put TalkinMets, no G. Put TalkinMets, don't put a G in there, all right? This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in New Jersey. That's important. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and want help, call 1-800-GAMBLER and check the episode description for full terms at the offer or visit bet365.com. Check out the episode description. It'll give you everything, the full terms of the offer, or go to bet365.com. All right. Back to serious business here. So you heard Buck Showalter. You heard Max Scherzer. And I've used the term, and we've made some fun of it. We've tried to modernize it, the back of the baseball card. And I you know, I call it the front of the baseball reference page now. But the, the theme of the show is the back of the baseball card. We're going to get old school here. And you all know what that is. And for those of you who don't, when we were kids – You'd have baseball cards on. You flip the baseball card on the back. You'd see some bold type for you know players that would lead the league in something. You'd see a bunch of numbers, traditional counting stats, batting average, home runs, RBIs, ERA, wins, losses, saves. Nothing like today where we get run creation and OPS plus and spin rate and all this other crazy stuff. And you would always say. Are they going to play to the back of the baseball card? Because after a player develops some kind of resume, unless they've gone past their prime, have a major injury or some kind of event, regardless of how the season turns out, within some variance, the player is going to play to the back of their baseball card. You know, if Pete Alonso is a power hitter, you expect him to hit 35 to 40 home runs every year. You know, maybe Jeff McNeil is not going to lead the league in batting average. But you'd expect them to hit a solid 300. Guys like Mark Cannon and Brandon Nimmo continue to be on base uh, machines. Brandon Nimmo is an elite run creator. You expect that to continue. And then, of course, maybe there's some more variability because of their age. But with Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer, you expect the Hall of Famers maybe not to be vintage, their best season ever, but to give you top of the rotation, number one, number two performances on a fairly consistent basis. You get the point here. What you've heard basically from the New York Mets throughout this entire 13-game, two-week stretch where you saw them get swept by the Tigers, you saw them lose in Cincinnati, lose to Colorado at home, split with Washington on the road, and lose to the Nats at home, a team that they beat up pretty well last year. A stretch like this in 2022, I think the Mets clean up pretty good. They probably go 10-3, and and we talk about them holding serve, and now the schedule getting harder. But throughout this stretch where we continue to see a lot of the behaviors that are beyond troubling as we get to know the 2023 Mets, starting pitching that is awful, that walks too many batters, is non-competitive, and most nights can't get out of the fourth inning. An offense that, although I said is not the problem, has a league-high in shutouts, has a lot of impotent days, has a number of players playing significantly low, significantly below their career norms when it comes to production. Most of that drop-off has happened over the last couple of weeks after the 14-7 and start. A start that, look, you don't have to go very far. You could go two weeks prior. We weren't convinced 
that we were looking at a 14 and 17, 14 and 17, a team that was on pace to win 67% of their games was going to do as good, if not better than last year's mess. We weren't convinced and we were right because a lot of the things that we were worried about, like Kodai Singer coming back down to earth and those walks in his command causing all sorts of problems. The back end of the rotation starters, the Luke Casey's, the Peterson's, the McGill's not being able to get through five innings and not putting in competitive starts and overtaxing the bullpen. All these things have come back to haunt the Mets. But throughout the last couple of weeks, we continue to hang our hat on the back of the baseball card. And night in and night out, we're not seeing the back of the baseball card. We're not seeing what, with some of these players we would expect after a decade plus in the big leagues. And we're not necessarily convinced that they're hurt or they're on the back end of their career or there's some other reason for their decline. We're just waiting. We're not ready to wave the white flag. We're not ready to say Starling Marte's done. We're not ready to say Mark Canna has hit the part of your career where you know maybe you're not as productive as your early years. We're not ready to say Max Scherzer has lost his mojo that, you know, he's, you know, basically like Austin Powers looking for it. You know, we're not ready to say that Justin Verlander is breaking down. We're not ready to say any of that. But night in and night out, even the guys who are presumably in their prime and healthy, the Lindors, the McNeils, we're not seeing that performance that we would expect. And now we're starting to get agitated. And we've talked about this over the last few weeks about there's no need for scapegoats that there's very little you can do with this roster that it's not time. And I've seen it, you know, people starting to call for Billy Upler calling for buck wanting some, you know, it's the usual crowd, you know, the fans, you know, give me something, anything when I don't get what I want, give me something to pacify. Where's my pacifier. And I get it. This is beyond frustrating. Just a few months ago around Christmas, you thought you were building a juggernaut. That changed after New Year, and then you lost your closer during the WBC. And even though I predicted a bit of a rocky first 60 games as this team came out of spring training, even I didn't think it would be this hard. Did I think they'd be under 500? No, I thought they'd be either slightly above, you know, maybe five games. You know, if worst case, maybe 500, but that's not the case. But we continue to talk about, hey, it's only a matter of time before they hit the back of the baseball card. I mean, Billy Upler basically said it when he talked to the media a couple of weeks ago. Buck says it consistently. He said it in the clip you heard coming in. Max Scherzer was very confident after his start yesterday that it's going to happen. But I'm starting to wonder, as we're looking square in the face of Memorial Day, I mean, think about how quickly the baseball season is. Yesterday, we were talking pitchers and catchers, and we were cracking the cellophane off of a new season. Today, we're a quarter of the way through the season, and one of the first unofficial starts of summer, Memorial Day, is right in front of us. So, to quote Yogi, it's getting late early. Now, I don't want to overstate that, but 25% of the season, 42 games, albeit there's still 75% of the season left, and some of you who are you know not traditionalists probably feel the season's too long anyway and want the, the league to shorten it, give more off days, and, and make baseball more meaningful. Another topic for another day. It's enough for me to start to question if the back of the baseball card is going to happen for some guys. And what's even worse, and I think this is where things could get ugly with the fan base, 
I don't think Epler's going to give a you-know-what. I don't think Buck's going to listen to it. You know, Cohen may listen to the fans, but he's intelligent enough as a very successful business owner to know how you have to run an organization, and it's not listening to... It ain't listening to this show. It ain't listening to me. That's mental bubblegum. It's certainly not listening to the fans sitting in Section 325 at City Field, and certainly not listening to those who are on Twitter or call WFAM. But you have to understand, to be fair to the fan base, despite the fact that we're kind of putting them in their corner where they belong, they have a right to be frustrated, disappointed, angry. And at this point, with the summer right in front of you, good weather right in front of you, yeah, you lost the NBA playoffs, the Knicks were eliminated, the Rangers were eliminated, you thought maybe you had another two or three weeks of that to distract you and and look for the Mets and for for the purpose of them hiding behind other sports teams. You know, they had that that cloak for a while. The Knicks provided that for about a month. And it didn't help because they played pretty badly throughout. Now the attention is square on them. So despite all that, the real frustrating part for this fan base is despite calling for Vientos, despite calling for Mauricio, who last they looked, like I said last week, cannot give them six innings, two runs. Could certainly help with the offensive side, but not sure any of their stay in the lineup would be consistent enough for their development. Maybe more so Vientos than Mauricio. And even if they do come up and do some facsimile of what they're doing down in AAA, without McNeil returning to form, and he's starting to resemble McNeil 2021 in a lot of ways, without Lindor returning to form, if Marte shot in a shell of his former self, that's going to be a big hit. If Canna is starting to look more like uh, an impotent fourth outfielder, not going to matter what Mauricio does. If Alvarez and Beatty, as they try to learn their craft, especially on the defensive side, can't figure out how to be productive hitters and continue to flounder below league average and do your best offensive version of Thomas Nito and compromise Eduardo Escobar, it's not going to matter. So really where you're at here with the 2023 Mets is if they are who we think they are, where their offense will figure it out, their bullpen has been beyond, even without Diaz. I mean, it's like almost like everybody stepped up, embraced their roles, which is, again, there's variability there because Robertson gets the best hitters late. Sometimes Adovino gets the seventh. Sometimes Adovino gets the ninth. You got Rayleigh in there. You got Drew Smith coming in to get a save when Robertson can't get through two innings. Everybody is ready to go at a moment's notice. You still look at a team with all that that probably is overrated in the starting pitching segment. It's a staff that did really well last year that lost a really key component in stability with Chris Bassett. Everybody, and I hate to belabor this point, but everybody forgets when they lost to Grom, when they lost Scherzer, and things around this time last year when things could have gotten really, really bad heading into June, tough West Coast trip, no double aces. You had your number three and a bunch of fill-ins. The Mets played, you know, not 600 baseball, but they hung in there. They played above 500. And Bassett, after a little rough start, after taking the ace role, settled into his usual six, seven innings, two runs, and away you go. Guy won 15 games for them. You don't have that guy. You don't have that guy when they have their double ace with Verlander and Scherzer. And you need that guy as a number three. So your four and five guys could be who you know they are, which is sometimes getting beat up against 
good teams and dominating sub-500 teams and maybe not always giving you six innings. So in best-case scenario, as we head into Memorial Day, that's what you have for the New York Mets, which is probably enough to make the playoffs and potentially in a short series make noise. But here's where I fear we're at. And the only thing we can do, no different than a passenger getting into a cab and the cabbie taking you wherever he wants to take you. And you don't have a damn say in it. Think about how powerless that feels, how frustrating that is, because you have no idea where this is going to end up. You are going to be in the same position, that proverbial position that I am explaining to you. You're in that same position right now as a Mets fan, waiting to see if Marte and Canna have anything left. You're waiting to see if Daniel Vogelback could be somewhere in the vicinity of the elite run creator that he was against right-handed pitching uh, last year and could provide you some pop instead of just a bunch of singles and walks. You know, that 115 OPS plus looks good on the back of the baseball card or the front of the baseball reference page, but you and I both know with a slugging percentage of below 400, that that's not the kind of production you get out of a designated hitter. That's not much better than what you were getting out of J.D. Davis and Tom Smith. It's better, but not much. Okay? you got to figure out, and you got to hope, and I think you have to be most optimistic about this, that uh, Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil start to resemble more of last year's version and the career norms. McNeil, 25% below career norm offensively. Lindor, about 15%. Marte, 50% down. Canna, 30% down. Pete Alonso's kind of in his normalish uh, production, but maybe slightly off from last year. So that's showing up a little bit more and hurting a little bit more because of the others. And then you've got these kids that you're trying to matriculate into this lineup. And look, they're both trying to learn demanding defensive positions, especially Alvarez. Alvarez is doing an outstanding job behind the plate. And it's probably taking its toll on the bat. And Beatty, who had the knock that he can't play defense, is trying to do that at the big league level and trying to adjust and learn. Somebody told me, a a former big leaguer told me many, many years ago, it's going to be a a career of constant adjustments. Once once you have success, they figure you out. Now you got to get back like a chess match and figure out how to adjust to their adjustments. And on and on and, and you go. And you have elite players like Jose Reyes and David Wright that could do it. Then you have guys that flame out and don't, like a Lastings Millage. Those are the exact kind of names that that former big leaguer told me about 15 years ago when I had a, a, a one-on-one conversation about why a Lastings Millage wasn't successful. So you bring all this together, and then you add the age, the, vol- the rotation, and the v- things that you don't know which are going to come from the health of a Verlander and Scherzer. Kodai Senga, who's basically developing as a 30-year-old rookie, who is who he is at 30 years old because we know who he is, lacks command, walks too many batters, may have uh, bad mechanics that lead to some shoulder or elbow issues. And you're putting him in there and you're asking him to be number three. You're asking Joey Lucchese and, and, and David Peterson and Tyler McGill to be number threes or develop into number threes. You know, and and I mean, how bad is David Peterson? I mean, I use the term childish because his performances are childish. They're give up performances. I don't think there's been a game this year where Peterson's been on the mound where you really feel that he's keeping you in the game and making it competitive. Unless the Mets are going to score seven or eight runs when he pitches, like they did against the Dodgers 
that night that he the, he, he pitched down in L.A., you're not going to see. You're not going to get a victory. You're going to. You're basically waving the white flag. You waved the white flag today. Got down, needed innings, and there you go. And they're really the biggest thing about this team. And it's completely anecdotal. It's completely nonsense. When you talk about, you know, when you talk about the back of the baseball card, I look at stats, especially with Cannon and Marte, more so with Marte. And you factor in health and you say, you know, there's something there that makes me wonder if I'll see the back of the baseball card, at least this year, to what is somewhat of a career norm. Maybe not the 2022 Marte, but somewhat career norm. It's way below that now. But what I do see, and I expected some of this kind of working the kinks out coming back from the WBC. But what I do see is a malaise that I personally think started when this team went all the way back down to Atlanta last year and carried into the postseason against the Padres. And then, okay, season's over, reboot. You really had an exciting run there from Thanksgiving till just around Christmas with the Correa stuff. And then right after New Year, that malaise kind of came back with the sobering news that the Correa situation is not going to happen. And then, like I've said a thousand times, your closer who in a lot of ways, even though he only pitched one inning and only would pitch 50 times, 60 times a year, uh, was a lot of your heart and soul and identity in 2022. And he's gone. He hasn't taken the, uh, uh, thrown a pitch this year and probably won't. So this malaise has continued. And the real question is now, is this malaise something that they'll just work out? Because Buck seems to think it. Epler seems to think it. Max Scherzer seems to think it. You have any clip that I could go on and find on SNY, you will find a clip where somebody in that clubhouse feels it's only a matter of time. And I don't think it's effort. Look, if this was the 2007 Mets who were, quote-unquote, to quote Carlos Delgado, scattered and bored and thought they were better than they were and didn't put the Phillies away and then all of a sudden woke up and the Phillies like, you don't want it, I'll take it, I would be the first to tell you. I don't think it's this team. I don't think it's effort. I think there's some working themselves into shape because of age there. And maybe because they got hit in the mouth in September, that magic carpet ride, that energy, that confidence and swagger that was built from day one in 2022 was taken away. So just like Austin Powers when he lost his mojo, if you remember, the Mets lost their mojo. And I don't think Dr. Evil took it. And I don't think Goldfinger took it or that fat guy, what's his name, that was in the, you know, that Michael Myers played. I don't think any of those guys took it from the Mets. I think it's the Mets kind of lost it. They kind of lost it when they lost to the Braves and they blew the division. And then they went up against San Diego and San Diego punched them right in the mouth. And they really haven't regained it since then. And you regained it on paper during free agency in December during the holidays. But as soon as you got to spring training, especially without Correa, especially thinking in the back of your head that maybe they were bat short and wondering from the rotation perspective, how are these older players going to fit? It, it, it almost like exacerbated it. So I understand your frustration. You want them to do something. But the reality is Mark Vientos hitting home runs at the big league level will help. And I expect to see him eventually. And Ronnie Mauricio, with the kind of power and how hard he hits the ball and his swagger, 
You know, he's going to be a lot like Jazz Chisholm if you if you really want my opinion. He's going to have that swagger out there. That's certainly going to entertain you, win or lose. But none of that's going to matter if Starling Marte has a 65 OPS plus, if Mark Canna is a below-league average fourth outfielder playing every day and left, if Jeff McNeil looks like the Jeff McNeil from 2021, if Lindor is a league average hitter. None of this is going to matter. It's not going to matter. So we are truly in the worst situation possible. When I come on and like to talk to you about the Mets, and I give you shows and State of the Unions, you know, and this is the crazy part. Because of the struggles, I even feel guilty coming here and trying to do my variety-type show with the breaks, and we do features, and we try to get in dive in maybe to a singular topic because – It's almost not fun because you're saying, well, Mike, the real issue is where's the direction going? How do we fix this? And the answer I have to you is not one you want to hear. There is no way to fix it. Yeah, can Mauricio and Vientos help? Maybe Vientos, I'm not so sure about Mauricio yet. But it ain't going to matter because the back of the baseball card needs to rear its head. I need to see some version of Verlander and Scherzer. We saw some positive signs. I need to see Carrasco come back and pitch like he did last year. Even though I know he's going to get clobbered on the road against good teams, I need to see him pitch like he did last year. I need Senga to be some version of Hideo Nomo in 1999. Not the Rookie of the Year Nomo, the 99-2000 Nomo. 4.50 ERA with a lot of walks, but still could keep the... The hits down because he was hard to, you know, make contact off of. His own worst enemy walks. And I need one of these kids, McGill, Peterson, shoot, give me Jose Budo to start to produce like a young back end of the rotation starter. Six innings, three runs. That's it. That's all I'm asking. Six innings, three runs. The offense eventually, in your, my opinion, if those things turn up well, the back of the baseball card could support that. Because guess what? The bullpen without Diaz has been really, really, really good. But I fear that that's going to... The wheels are going to fall off there because they've been overused. Especially the guys who are bridging the gap with the, the starters like Tommy Hunter and Steven Nagosik. Leon now coming here over from Texas. You know, these guys like that. You know, eventually, uh, eventually you can't pitch them every day multiple innings and expect them to stay productive. So... The answer is the back of the baseball card. And none of us know when that's going to start to show, if that's going to show. And honestly, we're not sure why it wouldn't, but we're not confident that it's going to happen. And that's what's really bothering us. So, yeah, we want a scapegoat. We want Epler fired. We want Buck fired. We want Vientos up. We want Mauricio up. That's just, you know, I hate to use this term, but it's methadone. It's not solving the problem. You got to go cold turkey here, people. Again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here and make light of rehabilitation. This is baseball rehabilitation. This is Mets therapy. This is Mets rehab right now. I'm here to talk to you, but I have to talk to you straight, and I'm not here to be nice and say it's going to be okay. I'm not sure if it's going to be okay. And here's the worst part. This hasn't even gotten ugly yet. You think it's gotten ugly because of the 10 to 3 loss today to the Nets. You think it's gotten ugly because they lost 9 of the 13 to teams that are probably the bottom five or six teams in the sport. This could get ugly and is about to get ugly if they don't start like tomorrow figuring out that back of the baseball card and it showing up. 
because they got three with the Rays and three with Cleveland. And it's the Guardians. And I won't make the mistake and call them the Indians, even though I think it's absurd. And I'm sorry if I offend you that they ever changed their name and took away that history. The Cleveland Guardians, you know, sounds like a friggin' insurance company. And you're going to get to see Jimenez and Rosario, and we'll have that whole conversation next week about Lindor. And by the way, there's a Sunday night baseball game. So even with the pitch clock and late, so we might not have an, we might have a, another Monday show. It's not talking Mets on Sunday. It's talking Mets on Monday. You got the Cubs in Chicago. You got the Rockies in Colorado. Always difficult. Then all of a sudden you're playing the Phillies. Look, Bryce Harper's back. Toronto, going to Atlanta, the revamped Pirates, the Subway Series, the Astros on the road, the Phillies on the road, the Cardinals who stink right now, but they're still the Cardinals. And then, you, by the way, you come back and you got Milwaukee and the Giants, and I don't need to go all the way into the All-Star break. Ain't really no easy series anymore. You just had 13 of the probably most winnable series out there. Now the meat potatoes of teams that you're contending with, teams that are hard to take two out of three, and sometimes teams that are on the road, you're feeling good about playing 500 or slightly above, you start to now lose four or five of these next six games. You go from two under to six under, and let me tell you something. You're eight, nine, ten under during the early, even if it's Memorial Day, slightly after. You won't be the first team to come back from that kind of deficit. We've seen Oakland do it. We've seen Atlanta do it. Teams have done it. You need a good month of baseball to make that up. And by the way, even if you're going to win 88 games and become a wild card team, which really that's what the getting to know you part about the Mets is, that's who they are. The, the, the 2023 Mets, even if we figure all these things out, best case scenario, in my opinion, is a team that's going to need the regular season to just get in the playoffs and then try to win a tournament. They're not a team that could put themselves in a position to be a home field advantage, buy round, division winner, set up for success. They don't look like that at all, even before... We talk about all this craziness that they're not performing to their norms. You're going to need a good month of baseball, and then you're going to need to play 25 games over 500. 25 games over 500 to make up for the deficit to get to normal-ish where you are. What makes you think that this club, even if they figure things out, is ever going to be able to play like that because they're not even playing like a 500 team now. You can't even talk about a team that's seriously contending until they get to 500. Don't even talk about it. Max Scherzer says he wants to say it's a good team. That's fine, Max. Get to 500. Because right now, you're no different than Detroit. You're no different than Washington. You're no different than Cincinnati. And I'm really not mad, guys. I'm just being honest. Look, stuff happens. This season goes south. I'm disappointed. It stinks for the show a show that's growing and has grown every year since its inception as Talking Mets in 2016. It's terrible for the numbers. But, you know, we'll figure it out. The good news is you got a great owner who's not just going to sit back and say, all right, this thing don't work. Let me cut the payroll. Let me throw it into the abyss. Let's lose 110 games and sell some kind of marketing scam. You heard today, maybe David Stearns is on the way here. That's what the rumors are. I don't think he's going to come here in New York and blow this up for three, four years. There's some of you that will want that, but that's not the way this is going to go. So the good news is, like I've been saying for weeks here, it's early. There's also good news. They have guys with resumes. Here's the bad news. 
We haven't seen the back of the baseball card be flipped around and show itself yet in 2023. And we're not sure if that's ever going to happen. And we have no ability to fix that. I don't even have a pathway for you to say, okay, if the Mets get to here by June 1st, let's talk about what this team needs to solidify themselves to be a solid postseason contender so when they get into this tournament, they have a realistic chance of winning. There's so much this team needs. And the, and the bad part is the starting pitching that's really struggling, which I'm not even sure if it's hitting on cylinders at what they're capable of, what they're capable of for their back of the baseball card. I'm not even sure it's all that good. Yeah, Verlander and Scherzer are, and in a short series, that might be enough. We you spotted somebody else as a number three, maybe Quintana if he comes back. But I'm not so sure Seng is all that good. The worst of what I thought Seng would be is showing itself. I think Carrasco might be done, and I don't think he's always been all that good since he's been here. Tyler McGill is laborious in his best of situations. David Peterson stinks. I don't even know if he's a big league pitcher anymore. He's Dom Smith, J.D. Davis level. He's in that category, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's headed to the point where we may not see him till September or at all the rest of the year. Go figure out how to pitch at AAA. So much for driveline, guys. Jose Buto, again, not sure what you have there. So here's the, the real bad news. The next two weeks are critical. You could stay around 500 to get to 500, and that's okay. You don't need to start making your run now. But you still have going from one to two under to four to five to six to seven. God forbid 10. You got yourself a month of baseball to make up. Just to get to par. You're looking at what the Mets had to do. Play at an 86 Mets level in 2019 to get back in it. Bullpen undid them. Diaz at that time. And they won 86 games, but they ran out of gas. They've had any kind of decent first half. That team makes the postseason. And maybe makes some noise. That was a fun team. That's what you're looking at with this team. And it takes a lot. And it takes a lot out of you. And a lot has to go right. And because you haven't played at that level all year, what makes you think they're going to play at that level, you know, at all? You're asking the team to go from sub-500 to 500 to play in 25 games over 500 to get to a normalish way of where they probably will wind up if they just consistently played the normal baseball that they're expected to. So that's the theme, guys, the back of the baseball card. That's the message. We're all going to sit back and wait for that baseball card to be flipped around and these players to perform like we know they can. There's not ifs here. They've done it. Some of them have done it for over 10 years. Some of them have done it for 15 years. It's not a small sample size. It's not a week of at-bats from Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez. you got guys who have done it over and over, guys who have won batting titles. Guys who are all-stars. Guys who are Hall of Famers and Cy Young Award winners. Guys who may be very good component players but have consistently had an OPS plus of 120 to 125. You don't just lose it overnight if you're healthy. Maybe the pitch clock is a problem for some of them. Maybe the way the game has changed, the speed of the game is a problem for some of them. Maybe that's the part we didn't take into account. Maybe that's the, and I said this last week, maybe that's part of the assessment going forward that the front office, both the Mets and everybody else, all 30 teams have to make. Because this is a new game. It's a new game for everybody. We may like the new rules, and it's made the game go by quick, and painful games like today are over in less than three hours. Thank God for that. But it comes with a price. So that's what I have for you. 
it's not maybe what you expect, and I'm not giving you any kind of clarity or promises. But here's what I do know is we're all in this together. We're in the back of the cab. We're sitting. We have no idea where this team is going to take us. And I know we're all scared to death they're going to take us to hell. But if that's the case, hope for the best. Maybe expect the worst because we've had a sample size now that tells us this probably isn't going in a good place. And try to enjoy the ride as good as possible. And if it's going to a bad place, what you want, which is important for the future, bringing in low-cost, productive offensive talent, like Mauricio and Vientos, will be here sooner rather than later. Maybe not till uh, uh, July or August, but they'll be here. And then we'll see what they have, because that's going to be important for us as we look at 2024, but way too early for that. And then as far as this coming weekend, where the show is going to be, Sunday Night Baseball against Cleveland, Mets are off on Monday, thinking of either doing a late Sunday, early Monday morning show, Big theme will be, you know, we're probably going to look under the hood of the Lindor trade. Let's check in with Jimenez and Rosario. And that's something that I'm going to be thinking a little bit about this week. We get to see the best team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, and figure out how the hell a bunch of no-names could be, you know, rivaling the 84 Tigers while the Mets and their $400 million payroll are looking like the worst team money can buy. And then off to the usual fun places that are obnoxious to play in Chicago, Colorado, Phillies, Atlanta, and, you know, the remade Pirates and what have you. So anyway, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this latest edition of the Talking Mets podcast. You could check me out all the time at thetalkingmetspodcast.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media and you can turn up a podcast, Spotify, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you want to interact with me, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. No G, Mike Silva at talkingmetspodcast.com. You could also get me on Instagram, talkingmetsnog. And I want to thank the good folks from the Fan Sided Podcasting Network and RisingApple.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast next week. Till then, take care, everybody.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.